This week on the Steam Machine Podcast, this force is like Ray Charles because it can't see shit. Cue the music! Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Steam Machine Podcast. My name is Dalton, and joining me, as always, with the Destructo Bros. Hey, it's Nate. I'm here. They're both here, and uh, we have a guest, gentlemen. We have a guest, yes. one of our umbrella people. I guess oh, that I don't know. I worded that all kinds one of, of wrong, our umbrella under- people. Nice. One of, one of our umbrella people. Yes, he is hey, from the Umbrella Corporation himself, the inventor of Resident <laughs> Evil. <laughs> Uh, we have Team Retro, Mikolov. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I wanted to make it on my bucket list that I would guest star on the Steam Machine podcast and actually beat a game. And my friends, I have done Hell it. Hell yeah. Yay! Hell yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. Um, before we get to that, let's go with what you guys have been up to the past two weeks or so. And I'll go counterclockwise. Willie. How have you been doing? What have you been up to these past two weeks, my brother? I'm good. I filed my taxes literally like 24 hours before the end of time that I could do that, um, which is weird because usually I do that as early as possible, but, you know, it happens. Um, I also have been playing a um, first-person shooter called Dusk, which uh, this, this one feels like it's going to be really good. I'm only like three levels in, so I can't say for sure what I like about it yet, but uh, it has this very retro, like, quake type of vibe to it that i'm really into oh yeah and you got that that was that boomer shooter bundle right yes it was from the boomer shooter bundle that was on humble uh humble bundle about one year ago had uh dusk and medieval um and several other games but those were like the uh, ion fury and a couple other games in that type of vein so um, i don't know I'm, I'm looking forward to playing through all of them but you know i just thought i'd lead off with dusk because uh the devs of dusk new blood are really cool and i just thought i would check them out and uh having a great time so far oh, man i look forward to hearing more about that is that all oh okay yeah well, uh nate what about you buddy yeah, it's been a crazy couple weeks or anything like that, but I guess if I had one thing of note that's happened is I finally, I did go and see the Mario movie. I'm not sure if hey. any of the three of you have or not. You have Mikulov, nice. Um, now, now, what is what is Mario? So Mario is this video game that came out in 1985, was when Super Mario Brothers for the Nintendo was released. However, the character made his first appearance in a video game called Donkey Kong, from 1983, I believe, was the year on that one. And it was an arcade game. And they made a movie about this guy. Now, what is a game? Oh, you're a dumpster so, human. So, how was the movie? <laughs> the, that thing that you're playing with all of us right now. <laughs> oh, true. Uh, so, how was it, though? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good movie. Like, um... You know, it's of that same quality where I think it, like, stands up towards the more modern, like, uh, video game movies that are doing well, like Sonic and Detective Pikachu, things like that. I think it's right up there in that level. If I were to put it between those, I think it'd be, like, my second favorite between, like, Sonic and Detective Pikachu. Um, 
Okay. The thing I think people worried about a lot with it was Chris Pratt playing Mario, but in my opinion, you kind of forget Chris Pratt has anything to do with it a couple minutes into the movie. He actually does a good job of not sounding like Chris Pratt, so kudos to Chris Pratt for his role as Mario. <laughs> there are much more egregious voice actors in this movie, like um, Seth Rogen playing Donkey Kong. Just sounds like <laughs> Seth Rogen, guys. He does not yeah. put any effort into a voice into that character whatsoever. Hi, I'm Donkey Kong. It even gives the <laughs> Seth Rogen laugh. Like, for real. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's literally in the movie. Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Like, I don't think it was groundbreaking. I thought the story felt kind of rushed, to be honest. Like, it didn't have a very cohesive story. It just kind of went from point to point to point. Like, hey, you remember this from the games? Hey, you remember this from the games? Which I thought was kind of, you know, it's Mario. That's what it's going to do. So, yeah. it worked out pretty good. I thought that, obviously, Jack Black as Bowser did a fantastic job. But when is Jack Black not going to do a fantastic job? Yeah, that's fair. He's the man. Um I'm just glad to hear it's not like a Mortal Kombat Annihilation tier type of movie, you know? No. So you would you would definitely watch this one over the original Mario movie. Depends on what kind of mood I am. Yeah. If Fair I want to watch a good movie, yes. If I'm horny, no. I will not elaborate. <laughs> um real quick, speaking of movies, uh you posted a teaser that I'm pretty sure that you're probably stoked about. I'm pretty excited about it because it's one of my favorite characters, if it's true. Oh, like the thing I posted about, um, they're making like a Knuckles series on Paramount Plus. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. I didn't, this is the first time I'd heard of it, but it came from the Sonic the Hedgehog um, Twitter account. So I'm like, I guess they're making a Knuckles series and putting it on Paramount Plus. I'm wondering if it's going to be all CG or if this one's going to still have like the human actors and stuff. I'm really interested in see what they do with it. I haven't really seen anything beyond the fact that it's a thing that's going to exist. Yeah. I, I like uh, Knuckles a lot. I don't know why. Like back in the day when I was a kid, like he always stuck out to me as like the cool character from Sonic. Yeah. He's always been my favorite Sonic character. Like, well, I guess not always since he didn't exist until Sonic three and Knuckles, but or Sonic three. So. <laughs> but then the fact that you can like, plays him in the older games and all of a sudden those hard levels are slightly less hard because you have that little glide ability. Oh yeah. And the wall climb, yeah. Mm. Knuckles is such a neat character. Suddenly Chemical Plant isn't so intimidating. <laughs> oh man, what about you, Michelob? What you been up to, brother? Oh, it's been uh it's been quite an adventure. So I was off from work last week, so we took uh foster son to the zoo, his first zoo trip ever, and I Pretty sure he enjoyed it. Uh, saw the Mario movie twice. <laughs> twice, nice. <laughs> twice. Uh, way too much Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> and uh, other than that, just working on my content. Uh, got a video coming out probably end of the week where I basically douse a device in isopril alcohol just uh, at the slightest attempt to try to swap out the screen. So... <laughs> That's uh, That was quite a smelly experience. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. That's what I clean the counters with up at work is isopropyl alcohol. So, like, I'm used to that Oof. smell. Oh, yeah. So now if you look at any of my recent videos, there's actually a persistent yellow stain that I can't get out of my <laughs> mouse pad from that specific uh, screen swap. <laughs> wow. Tremendous. Tremendous. And everything apparently probably smells like Popov vodka now. <laughs> Dude, 
Pretty much. I'll never forget the first time that I popped open a bottle of Skull Vodka, which, for those of you who don't know what Skull Vodka is that are listening, um, it's, what, $9 for a gallon? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, like, it is awful. And uh, You don't drink that to have something that tastes good. No, you don't drink that if you love yourself. No. Either. <laughs> like, you just drink that to get fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, that is some serious, like, I'm getting fucked up, and tomorrow I'm going to cleanse my body because I'm losing everything. <laughs> um, you drink that to teleport to the next day in time. You open that motherfucker, and you smell it, and it just smells like you could clean wounds with it because it's just like al- it's straight alcohol. Um, I used to have a buddy who would do, so, you know, I think it's Irish car bombs where you take a Guinness and you drop a shot of uh, Bailey's in it and then you, you chug it down mm, yeah right? he used to do that but he would pour the mugs full of steel reserve and Why? then he would drop a no. shot of skull vodka in there and chug it so he's dead now right <laughs> nobody has a real bad drinking problem <laughs> well that was clear from the first part of the story dude that guy i've seen that I'm- guy horrified I, I watched him freak out one night and he just started kicking his toilet until it broke off the the ring and every water started spraying everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that guy's got issues. Sounds like a cool dude. I've done that net hack before. <laughs> Call the Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, I've uh, I've been working. Works, dude. I'm not gonna get into it hardcore because I ranted heavy about this on Yazpod this week. Go check out yet another BS podcast. Um, but dude, work is going to hell in a handbasket real quick real quick like people were dropping out like people was people are quitting other people want to quit people are putting their two weeks in and i'm like dude we don't have enough people as it is what the fuck is there my time <laughs> oh, it's getting ridiculous but yeah uh other than that um i started days gone tonight just checking it out seems like it's gonna be a pretty chill game um well i say chill it's post-apocalyptic there's quote-unquote freaks freakers everywhere they're totally not zombies <laughs> for copyright reasons. What copyright? Uh, no one has a copyright on zombie. You can't say the Z word, dude. They're freakers. There's something where people don't use the words. That's why they're always called like the undead or <clears throat> some like, you know, they're always something that's not zombie. I feel like it was something to do with Marvel, but I don't remember right offhand. Apparently you can't I think them. one of my favorite things I ever read was definitely a tweet that said, uh, the Walking Dead place takes place in a world where no one has ever heard the word zombie, yet Negan is a real name. <laughs> yeah, um, it seems interesting though. Like it picked, like it started strong. So I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, and then I've been freakers. Put- I, I just, I'm not. I can't get over that. Freakers. No, that would absolutely rip me out. Yeah, they're like freaks. And it's funny you said rip you out because there, there's another faction in the game called Rippers. And they're all like, instead of tattoos, they all cover themselves in scar designs, and they're real weird looking. They look like a was it is a puzzle man that Batman the Batman villain who's like covered in the scars because he's always cutting pieces of puzzles. I think he killed Willie. I might have, but <laughs> but anyways, I've also been he, playing. He's face palm. I'm confused. His eyes turned into fists. Is what that is. He wants to punch me so bad that his eyes yeah, have turned into fists. Um, I've also been playing a lot of 2K23. And going through, I did beat GM mode. Um, got all 10 trophies. So there's a weird bug, and I wonder if the patch that they released today fixed it because I've bitched about it and hopefully it willed it into existence. But when you had a GM mode file, if you tried to start a second one, whenever you tried to go into your first show, it would just crash. 
every time without fail. So I was like, okay, so I just I completed the first season. So I deleted that file after I completed it, and now I started another one with created people in the roster too. Because the first time I went through, Blade was the only one. So now I've got everybody in there, and uh, it didn't crash. It didn't crash, and I'm having I'm having Yay. fun uh, with it again. Uh, and what I like too is like once you beat season mode, or once you beat yeah, once you beat the GM mode seasons, uh, and you get all ten trophies, and you get inducted to the Hall of Fame, you can keep going. You can just keep going indefinitely, which I think is pretty cool. So I'll probably end up doing that with that file since I've got everybody in there that I'm looking for and go back and forth between that and universe. And eventually I'll play the story mode. I mean, I beat the John Cena showcase. That was tremendous. I cannot, you know, I know people have their feelings about John Cena, but John Cena is a man. Like as a human being, John Cena is a man. There's very little reasonable criticism to have a John Cena in the year 2023. I saw a little meme the other day and we can move on from this. That was like when people told John Cena, he only had five moves. He took that shit personally. And in the video, it was him doing that crazy summer or the um, what are they? It was like the Somerset flip, sunset, sunset flip. flip. Thank you, Jesus Christ, Somerset. I'm thinking of Elder Scrolls. Yeah, the sunset flip power bomb that he does now, like when he used to do like just a punch and then like the elbow, the flying thing, the the five knuckle shuffle, and the F. I want to call it Fu because I've been watching older wrestling, but the AA. Excuse me. Um, yeah. And then and now he like he'll actually bust out some legit wrestling moves now because he's just like oh you want to say I can't wrestle let me show you this have an arm drag. <laughs> uh, anyways, gentlemen, this week we dove into Nate's game of choice, which was Ori and the Blind Forest. And before we get into opening thoughts and anything like that, we have to, of course, because it is the obligatory Wikipedia bullshit. Talk about the O dubs. So, Ori and the Blind Forest is a platform adventure Metroidvania video game developed by Moon Studios and published by Microsoft Studios. The game was released for Windows and Xbox One in March of 2015 and for Nintendo Switch in September 2019. Players assume the control of Ori, a small white spirit, and Sien, the light and eyes of the forest spirit tree. Players are tasked to move between platforms and solve puzzles, and the game features a save system called Soul Links, which allow players to save their progress at will with limited resources and an upgrade system that allows you to strengthen Ori's skills and abilities. So, Nate, what made you choose this? And after choosing it, what was your first impression of it? Yeah, I chose this because obviously I'd seen like picture stills and things like that from it in the past, and it looked very much like the kind of game I would like, you know, Hoping for it to kind of be the game that would live up to that Hollow Knight expectations you get as a gamer that's played Hollow Knight. So, uh, when I first loaded into it, I definitely thought it was a beautiful looking game. Um, but even right from the jump, I kind of felt like it was trying to emotionally manipulate me from a very early part in that game, uh, which I didn't really appreciate because it felt kind of forced and fake from where they were doing it from and but from the very initial like gameplay standpoint like it looked great and the platforming felt pretty good in the beginning oh yeah okay and willie what about you what was your first impression going into it like loaded it up started it up 
Um, I really liked a lot of the visual style that it gave me immediately, but my god, the fact that it, it used the font, I think it used the font Seago UI for the main thing, and I couldn't help but think I'm in a Microsoft advertisement <laughs> right now. Like, it felt so Microsoft as hell the moment I joined the game. Um, but I, I did enjoy the sort of, like, minimal, vague type of, uh, I don't know, weirdly spiritual glowy forest setup that it had going on and uh i also thought that it was also a little manipulative but i was also kind of like i don't know i i was kind of there for it at first all right and make a level what you bud so this game has been on my backlog for a long time which is why when nate announced it i was like hey can i can i do, do you guys mind <laughs> um so, I actually bought this on Switch, rebought it on Steam Deck, decided I'm going to play it on the Steam Deck because the first thing that happened when I booted up the game on there is I have this plugin called uh, Decky Deck Settings. And the second I booted it up, it said, There is an optimized setting for this game. Please click here to find out what that is. So, I found out what it was. I plugged the settings into the Steam Deck, took a look at my battery life, and it was like, you have seven hours of battery life remaining to play this game. Nice. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. And so I boot, I booted it up, and, like, man tears within the first five <laughs> minutes. Yeah. And I actually was okay with that because it got me invested in Ori specifically. Yeah, because clearly, like this, this game is meant to set him up as a lost child, and you feel afraid for him. Maybe it's the parent in me kicking in, but it got me invested because now I want to see what happens to him, and I actually want to keep this little kid safe. Oh, yeah, and especially because she like literally she loses her uh, parent figure like five minutes into the goddamn game. Exactly. And so you're going through that prologue and you're like, this poor kid, like, has no idea what to do and where to go. Is relying on this little tiny light bulb to kind of guide her? Or is it her? I think it's her, yes. Okay. To guide her. And now she has to walk into this, like, forest of evil. And you just, all you want to do, at least from my perspective, is, like, wrap her in a blanket and just make sure she gets where she needs to go. Yeah. So my, uh, this is another, this, I, this is a game that I also had on my backlog for a long time. Like, I mean, obviously we played it for the show. It was in someone's backlog on the show, <laughs> but like, I, it's something that I've always wanted to play because I loved the look of it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know me, I'm very much, I love a good art style. I love color. I love like, um, contrast of color and things you know like uh, bioluminescence things like that always get me because it's just so cool looking and coming into this i was like okay so i know i'm gonna love the way this game looks but there's that there's that little there's that little thing that i am not very good at metroidvania games <laughs> so that was still looming over my shoulder so but it's still i loaded it up and uh, again i will agree with Nikolov here um i like legit was tearing up at the beginning. And what's funny is that I didn't take it as a parental relationship. Um, as weird as that sounds like I took it as they were like, they were like best friends. They became best friends. 
okay. big guy helped out sense. little guy. Little guy would help out big guy. You know, that's that's how I took it. And then just that scene of like, and I don't know if it's just because of what I went through recently with Daisy or whatever, but that scene where like the person or the Ori goes in there and it's like touching and poking at, um, oh, the name escapes me. Naru? Naru, yes. And uh, trying to like get and she and just slumps over very much hit me in the feels and then it was like okay well now the game starts and you're just like i had to sit there for a minute and just take in what happened and then you uh, didn't want to leave uh, naru behind huh yeah and then i then i started kind of making my way through but that was definitely my my opening thoughts on it um so nate since this was your choice i'll kind of let you talk about um like what what would you like to talk about first you want to go mechanics you want to go level design like where where would you like to kind of start the discussion at? Yeah, so I think like as it were, it's like you know it's another Metroidvania game. And the concept of Metroidvanias is you know you start off with your base character that doesn't really know how to do anything, and you continue through the game and learn new abilities that makes your character better, stronger, etc., more agile. I just wanted to lead really early on with the one of the most interesting mechanics of this game, which is the fact that you do not have fixed save points rather you can spend a resource to create save points yeah i did think that that was pretty cool like uh i'm I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off with that one but i just i really did think that that was very important because early on i felt really reticent to spend my energy to make save points and uh i think i probably should have used them a lot more frequently than i did even knowing that i should use them more often you know yeah, and I think that is an important mechanic, like you said. It's like, there's a few places that there are save points that aren't generated by you, which are the um, soul links. But when you do create a soul link, it costs an energy point. And early in the game, you don't have very many of them. So you're trying to save them and not use them too much because you don't know when you're going to be able to refill that resource. Um this led to me not using it, like you said, and at times losing 10 to 15 minutes worth of gameplay because I didn't want to use a solo link because I didn't know when I'd be able to recharge it. Right. Yeah, I know that pain all too well as well. <laughs> the uh... So... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, bud. I actually had the opposite problem where I wasn't using my abilities because I really wanted to create soul links and save my <laughs> game. Ah. Okay, that's that's interesting. So, so you found yourself like saving more often than like how I, I did. Like I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like I would plant one every time I got to like a new area. Well, let me first off say I can't tell you how many times I forgot to plant a new <laughs> a save point when I got to a new area and then would die and then have to make my way back to the new area, which is one of the things that drives me crazy about these style of games. Um, but it's also like that's user error. So I don't blame the game for that. You know, that's just kind of on me. It's user error to an extent, but it's also game design to another extent. Like, I wouldn't say that it's completely unfair for you to think that you got kind of screwed by it because you did. I feel like I definitely did, too. Like, that's game design, intentional or not, that gamers... Especially those of us who have played like JRPGs or anything like that, we save the elixirs until the very last point till we need them. <laughs> so no, like video gaming in general has programmed us to save our resources. Okay, so yeah, that yeah, in that in that context, yeah, you're right. I don't feel so bad about it. 
<laughs> but I was totally agreed. That's what. That's why I wanted to bring this up very early on as one of the main game mechanics because I feel like the fact that the game has very few fixed save points. Most of the save points are you creating a soul link uh, yourself and using up an important resource is definitely worth pointing out before anything yeah. else. And with that, like there are mechanics that you pick up through like um I don't remember what they were exactly called, but they were like the graves of warriors or something where you would pick up a certain ability, but there was also a skill tree that you could spec into what you wanted to as well. Um, I feel like those didn't add quite as much as like those graves or whatever they were. Really? I think you said what they were actually called light. I think it was just the light of the the lights. Like those really are what changed the game. Like obviously one of them was a um, double jump and there was a wall jump and things like that that got added into the game as you progressed. Um, There was like in the skill tree ways to like, and change that double jump into a triple jump. Like that did exist if you went deep enough into the skill tree, but those kind of things were fewer and far between the one that I concentrated a lot on was making my um, weapon stronger. I feel like that was needed in some parts, man. They started throwing some enemies at you that took a lot of hits to kill. Yeah, and that's the thing I did want to talk about, too. I thought uh, was combat. How did you guys feel about the combat in this game? It felt weightless. Like, I don't know if it's just because certain games that I've been playing recently, or, but even in Hollow Knight, I feel like when you hit the enemy, it at least kind of like felt like you were hitting the enemy. Whereas this, you're kind of just throwing a light around and hitting enemies with it. Hollow Knight had great combat. I feel like this game had really light. I don't know. It felt... Fighting felt bad to me. Like, I do not think fighting was this game's strong suit. No. I don't think fighting was meant to be the focus. I think they wanted you to focus entirely on the platforming, and they just gave you some abilities to just to get through what they threw at you. There's no actual bosses. Like The actual bosses in the game are the platforming mm-hmm. segments. That's true. And, and I, I do think that the platforming was mechanically way more solid than the combat. I think the combat felt perfunctory, but the, 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 the platforming, generally speaking, was really sound, mechanically speaking. I, I think making the combat less than the platforming kind of hits home the fact that Ori is a child in this game. A helpless child that needs help to get through. And so it's not actually Ori doing the attacking, it's the light protecting her. Yeah. The light sucks at fighting. That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> the light does suck at fighting. So like, like, I get that you're saying like that combat's not a main focus of the game or whatever, but it is forced in a lot of areas, and it just doesn't feel good when you have to do it. In my opinion... Yeah, I found myself just pretty much button mashing and trying to just avoid the enemies while trying to hit them as quickly as possible. Like, especially the uh, the big bulbous spiky blobs that would burst into more versions of itself and then more versions yeah, of itself. Yeah, I Those really just like that enemy. Trying to balance staying on the wall while mashing the attack button at the same time <laughs> and trying to knock all those out so they can't get me while I'm up on the wall and stuff. And I, that might have been the, me- like, the, the quote mechanic that they were going for with trying to get those the specific one I'm thinking of in this one section, but man, it was a pain in the dick. Yeah, I know which one you're thinking of, and I think I, for that one personally, I used that charge attack where it uses one of your ability points to use that big explosion. The stomp ruined them. Okay. If you stomped, it would kill oh, yeah, them. Stomps is 
Because the stop would actually send out shockwave would crush all the uh, little ones as they got. Yeah, that was you. one thing that we learned later on in the game. That stomp was absolutely the most broken and best attack in the game. Oh yeah, where you just jump up and throw yourself. Yeah, down, boom, and just annihilates everything around. Yeah, you. that was kind of just starts stomping in a in a sense of panic. <laughs> yeah, poor Ori. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, I. I often did the stomp button when I was not trying to hit the stomp button and just sent Ori right to throw her butt entirely into spikes. So, rip. Oh, that happened to me way too often. I don't know if it was because I was using the D-pad and not the stick, but there were times where I'm like, why are you spinning and heading toward the ground right now? I I also played this game on a, a, an Xbox One controller D-pad, so that may have been a part of it as well. Yeah, I played on that as well, but I didn't ever accidentally ground pound. I tend to get up-buttoned in these games more than I do down-buttoned. Fair enough. I I actually used uh, an Elite controller, and you can actually swap out the D-pad in that, and so I use just the regular cross D-pad for that instead of the, like, weird one that comes with the new Xbox controllers now. Yeah, like the concave one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say that uh, there were certain areas in this game where, as beautiful as this art style is, ooh, excuse me, there were some set designs that I was just kind of like, I couldn't tell if it was in the fr- the forefront where I'm, if I land on that, it's going to hurt me, or if it's in the background, and it's like I can safely go there, you know. And there and there were like a couple times that that got me with thorns where. After I'm like, okay, so surely I can land there because I was able to land over there the other time. Six, so splat, dead. Mm. Fuck. <laughs> Lose twenty minutes. This was <laughs> this was a huge problem I had too. The game didn't like sometimes it would make like dangerous spots glow or whatever, but sometimes it was really hard for me to distinguish something between being a foreground element versus just being part of the art of the game. I and mean, there was definitely one part I definitely remember where I jumped to land on this platform. But the platform was merely a foreground object, and I just plummeted. Like, that was a big problem for me in this game, was things that looked like that you could use were not usable, and things that you thought were background objects hurt you. <laughs> yeah. More more often than I would like to admit that, that that killed me, and it drove me crazy. To the point that I eventually started playing... I want, to, I want you guys to know this. I want you guys to know this. I played this game from about the halfway point with cheats. Because I was like, I would like to get through this. I still didn't get through it. And I played with uh, God Mode. I didn't play with the... They had a, a thing where you don't take damage at all. I was like, no. I want to be able to actually take damage and know when I'm getting hit so I can know what to avoid. I, at least try to learn while I'm going through. I still died way more than I would like to admit. Because falling and landing on thorns and stuff like that would still kill you. Yeah. You just didn't take damage from enemies. And it was like... So much rage. Yeah, I remember there's one particular part in this game where I died and lost about 20 minutes of gameplay because everything was going great and wonderful. I had a full, I had like a full health bar. I was doing great and then jumped down and this laser came out of nowhere and killed me in one hit. Like there are one hit kill traps in this game that you don't know until you get to them. And, like, you can be chilling with a full health bar and then just get hit once and die. And it really sucks and takes the mood out of you. Oh, dude. Did you guys pause the game at one point and actually check your death count? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, constantly. I was like celebrating my hundredth death and then my two hundredth death and so forth. And so forth. <laughs> I don't. Know. I don't think I, I think got to three hundred. I think I got to two hundred something. No, Four fifty. Wow. And I played. Oh, on really? I say I played on normal. No cheat. No cheats because I didn't know that was a thing. But I decided I was going to play it on easy just because I wanted to experience the game and have it beaten in yeah. time. And the easy was no easy. normal wasn't either. And like after I beat it on normal, I did think to go in and try to play it on hard, but I decided against that pretty quickly after I started doing that. I have a question because I we I forgot to mention this at the very beginning. We all played the definitive edition, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. So yes. did you know that there are differences yep. in the original and the different the um the definitive edition? Uh, for listeners, quickly. Um, and the definitive edition added the area, the Black Root Burrows and the Lost Grove, and designed to be an expansion of the game's lore. The Burrows prominently focuses on the past of Naru, um, and it also added the ability dash. Like that was not in the original, which I was like, oh, I liked the dash ability. That's... So yeah, that was just a quick little tidbit that I thought was interesting yeah. that, that they actually made differences in the definitive edition usually it's just a graphical update yeah i'm glad they did that too but i will say the one thing is like i've wandered into the black root burrow way earlier than i should have at one point where the only ability i had at that point was wall jump and i was glad i didn't do a soul link anywhere in there because i don't think i would have been able to make it back out (laughs) and apparently i did the same thing too and then just stubbornly beat my head against it until I fucking got through most of it. Like, I got the dash before I got the double Which jump. Is insane to me. Like, I didn't get those things till after I'd beaten the game, because I was like, eh. <laughs> um, so, one thing that I've, I've kind of, because I was doing some research about this game, um, one thing I've seen is that a lot of people complained that you can 100% soul link yourself into a spot that you cannot fucking get out of. I believe it. Like there are just certain that. areas if you accidentally wander in there before you have the ability to get out and you somehow get somewhere and then soul link trying to get through it, you can fuck yourself. They also said uh, the areas where lasers will randomly blast you like <clears throat> you accidentally drop a soul link right there and then the laser kills you when you load in, you're just going <laughs> to load in right where that was at. And then the laser is going <laughs> to blast you funny. over and over and over for loop for eternity. That's kind of funny. It's funny, but it's also shitty. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> like should, like, not, not let you put them down there. But like, so that's like a gripe that people have with this game. But like, oh, overall, if I remember right, the uh, rating for it on Steam is like overwhelmingly positive. Did they fix or, or patch that in? Because every time I tried to put down a soul link near a laser or something that could hurt me, it actually wouldn't let me. It said something along the lines of. You can't put a soul link in an unsafe. Yeah, zone you're right. I do like remember that. seeing that message as well. Maybe they made some updates to it so that that wouldn't happen. That, that might have been a change in the definitive edition. Um, I'll, I'll have to look more into that. But yeah, the uh, the all reviews for Ori and the Blind Forest definitive edition is overwhelmingly positive, with the recent being very positive. Okay, so I mean. The game's not bad. No, it's a. It just it just has some mistakes. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, one thing I do like about the game because I feel like we've kind of been like going through things we don't like a lot more than things that we do like at this point. I kind of liked the way that it was set up in a way that you went from you know, traversing the overworld, and then in this game, it felt like there were three major what I would almost consider to be like Legend of the Zel- Legend of Zelda esque dungeons, like two D Zelda dungeons, which I thought was pretty neat. The first one being the um, tree. Gensu tree. Gensu tree, which was kind of like 
a pretty interesting level where you had to do a bunch of platforming through the screen. So like you'd go into like basically a portal and it would drop you off into the other part of the room. You had to find solve a bunch of portal based um, puzzles in that one, which I think, I think yeah. all of this at least got to that dungeon as I'd like to call it. Yes, this was, this was the end game dungeon for me. <laughs> I, I really like, I had a good time getting through it and everything, but I was just like done by the end of it because it, it, it definitely like ramps up at the end, at the very end of it and got real difficult. But dude, I loved, I loved the layout of it. Like, um, I wish I, I wish I could, I wish I had taken more screenshots so I could reference the certain area that I'm talking about. But there was a part in the tree before, uh, before you fix it and the water comes rushing in and all of that where it was, I think, I believe you were having to navigate through the sacks going through the portals. And I, I really li- enjoyed how you kind of had to, use the knowledge that you had gotten throughout the game so far to to make it through that in one piece and it took me more tries than I'd like to admit but that that feeling of finally getting through that that point of you know the gliding through the narrow things and all like um it felt good to to get through it at the very end you know and i think that that's that's just good level design because it wasn't it was punishing and hard but it wasn't unfair at least in that area Oh, man, I, wish I, I definitely felt a sense of reward when I completed those escape levels because they're mm. intense and thankfully they'll give you, they'll throw you a bone and they'll give you like a mid save spot. So if you get through like mm-hmm. one section, but then you die in the second half, they'll, they'll throw you that bone. But definitely I died enough times to where when I finally got through it, there, there was definitely a, a sense of victory there. Yeah, and I think that they've really tightened up the level design in general in the uh, escape sections for each of the three main dungeons. Like, those definitely felt like they were the big showcase platforming challenges that they built the game around. They did, but I also think that there was some poor execution in those as well. I think it... Oh, I really I think Gensutri might be the one I'm thinking of, too, where um, the ceiling would start to fall... And you'd have to dodge out of the way of the ceiling, but then you had to go back to that because the ceiling just randomly started falling from the other section of it. It's like you had to go forward, back, forward. There was no way to predict that without knowing that that was going to happen. If Yeah, there were a couple of times where things came from the top of the screen that you couldn't really make out, and that was not the only time. There was another uh, escape level that had a similar thing, and I was, like, very annoyed by that, personally. The, uh... I think that was the, uh, the wind dungeon where... <laughs> Basically, debris from the ceiling clears yeah. your way forward, but you would know you mm-hmm. wouldn't know that unless you actually saw it crash into the the ground yeah. below you. So, if you're trying to climb up, which the whole thing was wind, then you're gonna get nailed, and then you're yeah. gonna it's gonna yeah. take a couple of tries to realize. Oh, I need That's to dodge this to and then wait times. for it to fall. The wind dungeon was completely unreadable on your first try. There's like that no way anyone read that right? their first try. No, I thought Gensu no, was the water. Was it? Okay. I think it was the Forlorn yeah, Ruins. I do want to yeah, say, Forlorn you're right. the video that I watched earlier um, where the guy was kind of doing a retrospective about it, he had that same complaint about the, the stuff falling from the ceiling, but it was in the fire level. Uh, yeah, I also thought there was some unreadable stuff in the fire level. I thought all three of the main dungeons had really weird problems with stuff just slamming down and killing you, or else you had to like dodge and go back in and dodge and go back in, even though you wouldn't have known that it was coming the first time you went yeah. through it. 
Like there was some weird, I want to be the guy memorization stuff for some of those stages. Yeah, and I think once you got to know guess, it and do it, they were satisfying to execute. But it wasn't signposted well enough for you to be able to sight read. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's 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 my exact complaint. Do you almost think that they wanted you to die a whole bunch of times to learn the levels? If so, I consider that bad game design, personally. Especially in a game that has a one life mode. Yeah, there's a ch- there's a oh. challenge in this game where it wants you to beat the game in one life. It's like the difficulty is just called one life difficulty. And if that's the case, I do think that is pretty screw messy, screw really messy. Honestly, if they decided to make that the mechanic of how to learn it was to die a bunch, but then give you the option to play on one life difficulty. Yeah. Um. I know you were saying. Uh. I I do have something positive to say. I know you, you were mentioning that not everything was positive, but like the, uh, I do like that they each each area that you go into feels unique. Mm-hmm. Like as far as the aesthetic, mm. the look, um, like when you see certain things, um, like say mushrooms or that are in this certain area, they're only in that certain area. Like you don't really see them; they're not like tile setted in other spots. Yeah, you know. Now, like some of the thorns and stuff, yeah, that's that is what it is because those are there to harm you. But even those like tended to look slightly different in each area that you were in. And I, I really did appreciate that because it just kept everything fresh with each new area you'd go into. Um, I found more things to be like, wow, that's pretty. <laughs> Which I found myself yeah, saying I thought, a lot. I thought the game had a really good sense of exploration. I feel like I almost wish I wasn't the person playing the game because if I could just enjoy the visuals of it, I would have had more fun than like not just the visuals, but like even the audio. Like I think the incidental audio was really good. Not the music per se, but the uh, like the creaking and crackling, the organic sounds when you were like doing the platforming were really good. Like you'd run over stone and wood platforms and they sounded old and decrepit. And I really thought that added a lot to the uh organic feel of the environments and i i know like people who love these type of games might disagree with me um but nate you being the case you might agree with me on this but you might not just because the way the combat is in this game i feel like i would have enjoyed this game a hell of a lot more if there would have no been no enemies if this was just a straight platforming puzzle game or if the enemies were not killable and you, like you used, you know, cause there's a, an ability in your game you get called, I think it's called the bash that you can use to you bounce off of projectiles that the enemies shoot at you or even just bounce off the enemies. Like, like you said, yes, the combat was terrible, but being able to do some of the things off the enemies, like the bash projectiles kind of thing was really cool. Like that was actually one of my favorite things I wanted to bring up in my mechanics in this game. Like the bash was one of my favorites cause it was the most unique yeah. mechanic this game had. Um, but yeah, combat, if you could, like, I wouldn't get rid of the enemies completely because of that reason. But could you replace like the enemies? Well, okay. So how about keep the shooting enemies then and get rid of the fucking like birds or like the, the, the froggy things that just jump off the fucking screen and then land on you and take all your health in one hit. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like, I don't think they added anything to the game personally. So yeah, I, I wouldn't mind it. But I did, I did enjoy some of the puzzles, like having to use the shooting enemies. Like the one in specific that I can think of is where you jumped over it and you landed on the next spot that was kind of covered and you had to get that thing to shoot at you and then you jumped out of the way so that enemy's attack mm-hmm. would then blow that crater open and mm-hmm. the enemy would come out of that. And then you did that all the way until you could have it bust through the door that you needed to go through, which I didn't mind that. And I guess if you took away enemies, that sort of puzzle wouldn't have been able to be executed, but... 
I like the idea of blind or of of what happened with the uh, shots, but like I feel like you had to make some blind jumps sometimes towards enemies and just hope they shot at you too at a time or two. And I wasn't a big fan of that either. I think the game could have done without the random slime enemies. I think the birds were necessary. I think the shooting tentacles or the or in the last level the the big fire spheres. Mm-hmm. And I actually liked that you can actually use the bash mechanic as a reflect for the for, for the projectiles. That took me a couple of tries, but once I realized, oh, I just have to go the opposite direction, yeah. and then it bounced the projectiles back, I actually thought that was a pretty nifty way to do combat. It was probably one of the mm-hmm. better combat experiences I had, and then that was even how you ended up solving one of the puzzles, too. Yeah, I liked puzzle. using that to break barriers more than I liked using that in combat, personally. Like, using it to reflect the shot against the enemy, whatever, but using it to break a barricade, like, that was cool. That was legitimately very cool. Dude, I, that one puzzle where you had to do that and then shoot it through the portal, and then you had to haul ass up to catch it and then yeah. shoot it another direction it took me so many tries, but when I finally got done through that thing, I was like, yes, I am all that is man. Yeah, that's funny too because one of the things I was going to complain about was I didn't think all the platforming puzzles I didn't feel great about finishing like once they were done I'm like finally I've, I've gotten through it whatever kind of like Alpha looked about Crash Bandicoot that puzzle though when I finished it I'm like oh I am a genius I am a puzzle genius I am a god of games like that was a great feeling yeah. okay I, I will say oh, go ahead. no go ahead because I'm, I'm kind of changing gears so I go with what you were going to say Oh, I was just say I, I like the puzzles enough in this game that I would like to play another puzzle game like relatively soon, but like more so like a game that's just strictly puzzles. Like uh, I don't know whether I throw the Turing test because I've never actually played that one, or uh, go back to the Talus Principle. Something I'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. So yeah. So one thing I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit more, and I don't want to get into too big of detail into it, but it's just the story itself. So we kind of talked about the intro of the story. And kind of how Ori ended up with Naru was through this big storm that kind of swept her away. And then um, the tree would like try to call back to Ori to get it to come. This is what how I interpret it, to get her to come back. But when the tree did this big light show, it killed this owl's eggs. So the owl stole the heart of the tree to kill the forest because it killed her babies or whatever. Like... Was the story that convoluted to ever anybody else watching it? And did anybody else feel like the owl was right? I, I thought that towards the end, especially, Kuro did seem really justified. Like, it was really convoluted how they got the story kicked off, in my opinion. And, like, I was a bigger fan of the owl than I was of the tree by the end of the, the game. I, I genuinely thought that the plot twist was going to be that we were the bad guys all along and that Kuro was right. Okay, just making sure I was the only one that felt that way because, like, that's why I've like left the at the end of this game feeling like it was really trying way too hard to emotionally manipulate me because it tried to make me feel bad for the main character at the beginning, then it tried to make the villain look sympathetic, and then like I was like, you're really trying too hard to make a Disney movie without any of the character development. So, I'm glad you said Disney movie because. On the Wikipedia, it says that this this game was inspired by The Lion King and Iron Giant, right? Story-wise. Now, the video I watched earlier, he commented about Kuro, the bird, and he said, by the end of this game, 
with about roughly five minutes of screen time, Kuro was the most interesting character that they had. <laughs> and he said that, and you really like, he, he was basically saying that he would have liked to have seen their story fleshed out more. And the way, uh, not to jump to the ending or anything, but the way the game ends, he said that he would have liked like that moment to happen. And then you spend the next hour trying to get to Kuro to hash out the end, like yada, yada, yada. He went through this whole spiel, but it kind of just, yeah, it kind of just leaves you there at the ending. I don't want to spoil the ending for anybody who really wants to play yeah. this game, but I mean, it's just. I, I found the story extremely convoluted and extremely disappointing by the end of it, personally. Which is what I thought this game had built itself up to be bigger than, like, say, like Hollow Knight was. It had more of this contained story that you could really attach yourself to because Hollow Knight was kind of like lore driven, but more in the way that FromSoft does their games rather than like a story driven yeah. game. But this game was more story driven. And then the story just really let me down, which I thought was the big selling point of this game over a Hollow Knight. And see, I always like to, at least to like me personally, the selling point of this game was always the visual of it. Like Ooh. I thought that they were relying very, very hard on the way the game looked. Um, but I, I also, I don't know. I liked it, but I didn't. <laughs> I liked it, but I didn't. You, you it was know, a very pretty. Kind of, I'm just like. It was a very pretty game, but it had some very, very, very notable flaws. You yeah, know, I, th- I think it was very pretty, but very shallow at the same time. Shallow so night. Let me, <laughs> let me ask. Are you at all interested in playing the sequel after playing this game? I would like oh, to play sure. the sequel to I this, but the sequel to yeah. this, after playing both of these games, ends up behind me wanting to play Guacamelee too. Because Guacamelee was a much more mm. fun and well-built-out game than Ori and the Blind Forest to me. I feel like, at least gameplay-wise, I had more fun with Guacamelee for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I am absolutely willing to give the people that made this game another chance. I thought they did a lot of things really well. Like I said, the incidental audio was incredible. Uh, I thought the general style of it was really pretty. I just also think that this game may have thought it was more important than it That's is. That's the main you know? thing. I feel like this game had its head up its own ass. <laughs> so, the... <clears throat> the worry that I had for you with No Man's Sky turned out to be true about Ori and not No Man's Sky. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was real worried you were going to be like, man, this game sniffs its own farts. But, yeah. No, it's just, it, this game, it really wants to be a really, like, it wants to be an adult version of a storybook, like a tragical, melancholic storybook. And I just don't think it pulls off all of those beats at the same time. But I think, like, a lot of what it does, it does really well. Again, I think the mechanics, like, the actual fundamental mechanics of the platforming are mechanically very sound. I think the audio is fantastic. I think the visual style is really pretty and i would absolutely <clears throat> go back and play another game in it i just don't think that the story had the depth that they seem to think it had it, like you said i do think that <sighs> i wish they had cleaned up the platforming a little bit too there were times where i felt like it felt a little bit floaty um and not as responsive as i would like especially on any sections where you're doing um this is a um, an ability you get late in the game but where you're on the wall and then you point to where oh, you're yeah. trying to go and it does a super jump off the wall I felt like th- 
The wall jump did feel a little weird with the D pad control, especially pretty yeah. janky there. Um, like, like I said, it felt good, but it didn't feel polished as polished as I would have liked the platforming in this game. So I think I asked you this offline, but I, I would like to hear your opinion on this. How would you have felt about this game if you'd played it before Hollow Knight versus playing it after? I would have liked Hollow it more if I'd played it before Hollow Knight, but I did play it after Hollow Knight. So it, I do want to say it looks like that this was this uh, development or this studio's first game, Moon Studios. So that might be why it's not as polished as you would like. Maybe that's just just I, I was like looking it up. I'm like, I wonder what like order. So yeah, they they have released two games, and it's Ori and its sequel. And again, so, I'm like, I'm absolutely willing yeah. to play the sequel. I, I'm looking so forward I to that. I haven't played Hollow Knight yet, so now I kind of want to play Hollow Knight just to see how my perspective will be different from Nate's. I would be interested in that Hollow Knight, dude. Hollow Knight kicked my dick in the dirt, but I enjoyed it the whole time. The, I, and I don't know if it's because I've played Hollow I'm... Knight so many times and that I'm actually very good at that game now comparatively to most people, but I died so many times in Ori in ways that I did not think I should have died, where I don't feel like that's true in Hollow Knight for me. <laughs> so, Dalton, where you say, like, you played Hollow Knight and it kicked your face in the mud and you enjoyed it kicking your face in the mud i'm starting to wonder for me personally if my experience with ori is i enjoyed it or i got through it yeah yeah and well if if it it comes down to you just getting through it then i appreciate you getting through it for the show (laughs) and that goes out to any of you it's it was just pure stubbornness i feel at one point i'm like i have to do this but I, but I'm now I'm conflicted where did I enjoy playing the game or did I enjoy the experience or did I just do it because I felt I had to? I don't say I have mixed feelings about that too because there were a lot of times when I was having a great time in this game and there were a lot of times where I was playing and I was like, I'm just doing this to get it over with for the show. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I had those moments and I only got to the Ginza tree. So if that tells you. Yeah. So is this the first time on the podcast where we've been overly critical on a game like this? I don't this? think it's the first. No, because I think in the end, we're not even going to give it even a, that negative of a score. I think we're just going to say it's a game yeah. with flaws. It's- I, I think the thing for me personally, why I'm coming at it at a more negative angle, and I'm kind of driving the show because it is the game I picked, so it kind of drives the conversation in a way that we're being overly critical of it, is because... I was expecting a little bit more from it than I had gotten. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad game. I do think it's a good video game, but... But you wanted a masterpiece. You thought it could clearly right. be a masterpiece. I, 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 you thought it could be a Hollow Knight with type the, of game. The ratings that this has on Steam, overwhelmingly positive, and, you know, yeah, I did think that it had that... It was oversold to me, and I think it's going to be a theme of a few games I play this year um, that I went in thinking they were going to be much better than they were to me, and this is going to be one of those games for me this year. I I want to say, though, I think we were the most overly critical uh, about Dragon, like a dra- uh, game, uh, game about okay, a Dragon. but that game sucked. Dragon game, but yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, well, yeah, okay, no, you're right. Um it didn't necessarily it suck. It just it was it was a one man project, there, man. I will say that there, there have been a couple games, Nickelodeon, that we've played that we have been like mid recording and been like, man, we're being really negative. What's we'll say some positive things? Yeah, like. but, 
I think I still think in the game we did the three of us did the most negative review. It was definitely Blair Witch. Deserved, it sucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that game was actually trash. <laughs> but the game was pants. But no, like I, I do think that's partially my fault, Michelob, on this episode because I did kind of drive the conversation and kind of brought up the things I wanted to talk about. Then I had mostly negative things to say about those things. So I think that kind of influenced the conversation on this game a little bit. No, I don't think it did, because a lot of the things that you said to lead the conversation were all thoughts that I already kind of had brewing anyways. I think the problem is that it's a beautiful precision platformer, and the ceiling is so high on that genre that when you don't meet that ceiling, it's sad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as far as me enjoying Hollow Knight while, while also it kicking my face into some mud, um, I never once felt like Hollow Knight was being unfair. Like I always felt like, okay, I, to, to use the, the cliche, I need to get good yeah, because I know this is doable. I can see in my head how this is done. I just need to figure out how to do it. Whereas there were some points in Ori where like we were talking about, I jumped on somewhere where I thought I could land and there just happened to be something there to kill me. Whereas Mm -hmm. in hollow Knight, if something's there and is going to kill you, you can usually distinctively see that it is going to fuck you up. Yeah. So, you, we want to uh, give final thoughts and ratings? Yeah, unless there's any other big points y'all want to bring up, I think it's time for that. I'm good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I will start this one off then. Um, since I only got to the Ginzo tree, or Ginsu tree, I can't remember quite which one it was. but It was Ginso. Ginso? Okay. Um, love the art style. Love the way this game looked. Love the fact that like it all felt not hand-drawn, but hand-placed with care as far as the aesthetic not necessarily the uh, functionality, but the aesthetic. It's great. Um, I did like a lot of the platforming of it. I did not like the combat. Um, and I enjoyed what parts of the story that I saw. I didn't quite get to all the stuff that you brought up that you had issues with. Um, but what I saw, I did enjoy. Um, I'm going to give this a 7. Just because I know that it's got its fan base. And it might just be it's 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 one of those games. It's just not quite for me, but it does have some mistakes, so I can't give it any higher than a, than a seven. Hey, fair enough. I uh, I'll go ahead and go with my next. Um, I think that this game had a lot of things that it did beautifully. I think that the visual style of it, a lot of the audio were magnificent. I think that the general meat of the platforming was really good, and yet there's just not the soul animating this game that I wanted there to be. Like, ultimately, it is just lacking what should push you through it. And I also am going to give this one 7 out of 10. All right. Nate, what about you, bud? Yeah, y'all beat me to it, because that is actually the exact score that I had planned on giving this game as well. It's like, I think it's good, not great. Do I think it deserves the overwhelmingly positive reviews it has on Steam? No. But if or if I were to give this a rating on Steam, would I give it a recommend or a not recommend to other players? I would give it a yes, a recommend. So that would build bring that score up as well. So it's just an interesting concept. So yeah, for me, it is seven map stones out of ten keystones, not Keystone, Florida. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not anywhere but here, anywhere but here. It's one of those games. Quickly before we get into Mikolovs, I I just I wish that there was like the middle of the road selection on yeah. Steam. Like I feel like that would really help because when you get like because you know you have very positive and then you have you have positive you have negative and then you have mixed when it's like a mixture of the two. But like mm-hmm. why not have a a mid that'd be like a mixed 
section. That's just how you feel about it. I feel mixed about this game, so here's why. But I guess people would exploit that like they do with negatives, where they just give it a negative and write poop or something as the (laughs) review. And yeah, What about you, Michael? What do you feel about this game? So, I'm glad I played it. Mm-hmm. I, it, it was an experience. It was an experience that I'm not upset that I had. Um, I do think that this game does have a lot of mistakes. Um, I do like the character of Ori herself. Um, I think they do a very good job of making us care about her and her safety and wanting her well-being. Um, without spoiling, I think something happened in the ending that didn't need to happen. Like, it was it was feel-good, yeah. but it was also kind of tacked on and, and unnecessary. Like, I almost feel it took away from some of the, of the sadness mm-hmm. of the game. Um, but at the you. same time, I, I, I kind of understand why they did it, because... Um, because it was a turning point for one of the major characters. Right. So I, I get it, but at the same time, I think there was probably a better way that that plot point could have been put across um, without taking away this coming-of-age setup that they were trying to go for. Um and I think even playing on easy, the game was just unnecessarily hard at times. Like, not hard, like you were saying earlier, not hard but fair, but hard because of mechanical errors or control issues or just they made the platforming just a little bit more difficult than it needed to be. Um, so I think I'm also going to give it a 7, um, just because... It does get some things right, and I think it does set itself up nicely for a sequel. Mm. Um, but the journey to get there may not necessarily be a journey that you're going to enjoy. It's just something that you're getting through because there might be better on the horizon. So I'm going to go with uh, seven Ori's out of ten Naru's. And again, to reiterate on what you said, like, I don't regret playing this game at all. I think what it did well, it did superbly well. I just wish it had done more things as well as the things that it did an awesome job at. Yeah. And it kind of makes you hope that maybe they learned from this in the sequel. Yeah. And and going into to playing the sequel in the future, you know, maybe we're set up for a better experience now that we've played the first game. For sure. Maybe. Hopefully. All right. Well, then that leads us into fan questions. Give Willie some time to ponder his host pick. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. So let's dive on into them. So we saved a few from last time because uh, our old buddy Jeff was sleepy. So we have a few from the last episode as well that we didn't get to. So this first one comes in from our buddy Aries or Adam. He says, I'm trying hard to play games without an achievement guide or going back to up achievements. What would you say is the gaming vice slash something you would want to change about the way you game? Oh, easy. Easy. I wish I was not always driven to saving all of my fucking items. (laughs) True story. I wish I could give that up. 
I wish I didn't care about my matchmaking rating in games that I'm not even very good at. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Shit like that drives me crazy, too. Yeah. I need to get over my incessant habit of having to 100% games. Like, I just, I have this inherent need that if I'm not 100%ing a game, I'm not experiencing all of the game. And actually, with Ori specifically, like, I'm like, you know what, I'm not 100%ing this game. I'm not going back and finding all the collectibles. So I think I, I think with age, I'm starting to get over that a little bit. Um, but that's, that does still remain a, a bit of a compulsion <laughs> with me. I have to try to get through as much of the game as humanly possible, or I feel like I haven't experienced yeah, the whole I'm the exact same way as yeah. you, Nikolov. Um, for reference, yes, I did 100% this game on normal mode. But the things that are going to stop me from doing a full 100% Steam completion of this are there are five achievements I don't have in this game out of 57. One of them is complete the game on hard difficulty. Okay, that's not so bad. Finish the game in under three hours. I don't want to. I'm tired of speedrunning is not fun anymore. Stop making me do it. Um, Complete the whole game without using an ability point. So you don't get to use the skill tree at all. Mm. Complete the whole game for audio listeners. I'm <laughs> shaking my head like <laughs> and turbo mode. Other two, last two achievements are kind of the same thing. One's called Immortal, and the other is called Unhinged. It is complete the game without dying, and the other one is complete the game on one life difficulty. I'm like, no, I don't think I'm going to do these things because. They're not fun. And one game that really helped me with that was actually Breath of the Wild. Because, yes, I did complete every single um, shrine in that game. But there was no chance in hell I was going to find every one of the um, Korok seeds. seeds. That just wasn't happening. So (laughs) games like that definitely helped break bad habits like that for me. I, uh... Do you feel like games today are purposely trying to make completionist runs near impossible? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, it makes sense. Because... They want you to spend as much time in their game as they can get you to spend. Yeah. Because it makes their like, so look better on Steam and everything. Like, if their player base dies off in a, a few weeks, other people aren't going to want to buy the game. But if their player base is still up, then... So, yeah, I do think they're doing it on purpose. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, it's not as egregious as games as a service type thing where they're just releasing content to keep people coming back like over and over and it's over. It's still but, very metricsy based, yeah, but it's still all about the numbers, baby. All about the pennies. Yeah. Um, one other thing that is something that I would I would like to change, but I'm very torn on it is I am very quick to run to a fucking trainer and turn it on and use cheats. Right. <laughs> I'm very quick to do that with any any game I'm playing. Uh, and even when I'm playing Skyrim, I'm very quick. Console, TGM, God mode. If I'm slightly over overweight and can't fast travel, I'm typing in God mode so I can fast travel. Fuck that, right? Um, and I don't like that I'm that way. But at the same time, a lot of these games that I play are very long and <clears throat> story-driven. And I'm there for the story of it. So, like, in my head, I'm like, okay, so say I'm reading a Witcher book. How many times did Geralt die in that fucking book? Zero. <laughs> so, like, when I'm playing through this game, it pulls me out of it 
when I have to do a boss fight 50 times in a row when really Geralt should go in there and yeah, he should get his ass kicked, but he shouldn't die. He should slay the monster and prevail. So it's just, it's a weird tear that I have in my head, but I don't cheat in multiplayer games. That's a rule. I don't, I don't cheat in multi, I know there are people who do cheat in multiplayer games and I am against, don't cheat in multiplayer games other than like phasmophobia when it just like benefited us and didn't affect other people. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I that didn't, uh, we weren't playing against another, another team and that caused the other team to lose because we were cheating like that. That's the stuff that I'm right. Alrighty. Our next one comes in from master loot. What is a misconception you thought as a child, but now realize how silly it was? That there was a nudity code in Tomb Raider 2. Because <laughs> I always thought I was just putting it in wrong because the code that they told you. So the way Tomb Raider 2 worked is anytime you tried to put in a cheat, if you got it even slightly wrong, Laryl would explode into a million pieces. Well, she would explode into about nine polygons, but... So anytime you try to do the nude cheat, it would just blow her up. And you always thought you just, you did it wrong. You had to try again, do it better. There was no nude cheat. <laughs> what about the Mew truck in Pokemon Red and Blue? Oh, that's actually what I was thinking. God, the the yeah. old fake Pokemon cheats were really huge for me. Yeah, wasn't there? The... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I lost it. Yeah. Wasn't there a thing in one of the Pokemons where they, they said that there was like a Master Ball hidden in a in a bush in one of the buildings, but then it was actually there. Like if you went and looked, and there was there was actually there was one master ball there. I don't think so. I, I might be remembering the only one. master ball I could think of in the old games is. Uh, don't you find it in like the mansion? I think that's what I'm thinking. No, what am I thinking of? I don't know. I could very well be remembering a, a ROM hack that I played seven years ago. <laughs> there was just no, a master you don't ball find, in the bush. You don't find the master ball in the mansion. You get it from the the head of uh, Sylphco. Yeah. I felt like it was like in one of those types of buildings. You like walked over to a plant that was in a planner, and you clicked on it, and you got another master ball. I could be wrong. No, I I can't. I'm trying. I'm thinking back to my Pokemon lore, and I can't. I can't recall a, a moment like that. the The only thing I could think of is you had a chance of getting the master ball in the lottery, but it was very rare. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the lottery in that game. Yeah, I don't know. That might have been a ROM hack thing. I'm I, I'm not. I'm not remembering. I could also be not remembering. My memory is not the greatest. Yeah, mine either. That's why they call that shit dope. <laughs> what about you, boys? Yeah, so for me, there's this one sprite from Final Fantasy 1 for the NES that I completely saw wrong until I was about 20-something years old. I'll post this in out of context, too. But This sprite for the imp, which is like the first enemy in Final Fantasy 1, I don't know if you guys see it the way you're supposed to or not, but for me, this dude looks like he's got a big-ass pompadour on his head with two hordes coming off the side. That's wrong. That's not what it actually looks like. And I just saw this sprite completely incorrectly through my entire childhood, and now I wish I never saw what it's supposed to look like because it's so much cooler the way I see it in my head. (laughs) (laughs) That dude's just got the Johnny Brown. Thank you for much. Hey. I, I, are those horns yes. coming out of his head? And then he is wearing like almost like a, yes. a link type hat. Okay, that's that's my interpretation. You He's have got a correct interpretation. <laughs> okay. Oh, what was it? Um, there was a oh man, what was it? It was one of those older games back in the day where I couldn't tell that homeboy like homeboy's face. Oh, it was in Final Fantasy VIII. The gatekeeper, um, when you're going in and out of Balam Garden, 
the guy that you can play cards with who watches the front gate thing, who's in the little uh, glass room, always thought that he was just some young punk kid that was there watching the thing. But if you play it now with the uh, HD Final Fantasy VIII release, you see that it's an old man. <laughs> and I was wrong. Nice. <laughs> How about you, Will? Uh, like I said, it was just literally Pokemon things I was oh, thinking okay. of to like the old school uh, getting fooled by the old Pokemon nice. tricks. Right. So this next question comes in from some dork, I think. Uh, this is from Team Retro, actually. At what point... <laughs> oh, that guy. At what point in a nope. game do you sit down and say, that was nice, but I'm ready to move on? Personally, I struggle with this. I will start a game and then don't really stop until I either just can't take it anymore. The thing is, what usually happens is the games that I enjoy, but I'm like, yeah, this is fun. I'm going to come back to this a little bit later, um, are like games like Kingdom of Amalur, which I really enjoy and I keep wanting to come back to. It's still installed on my computer. I have not gone back to it yet, but I think it's fun and I want to. And then there's games that I don't want to play that I just continually go back to and go back to and go back to. They just... It's one of the most annoying things about myself. Maybe that should have been my answer for Adam's question, <laughs> too, because it's just like, some games I play I don't want to play, but I just keep going back, man. <laughs> How do you stop? <laughs> man, I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't If you remember when I was streaming, like, uh, Doom 2 stuff a lot, like, I literally played, like, Fast Monsters uh, level map 10 of uh, Doom 2, like, for three hours straight and I didn't even care that I died every time. Like I'm, I'm willing to bang my head against the door for forever. As long as I'm having fun. Um, I think usually the point that I'm ready to like move on from a game is if I roll credits and I feel satisfied with the amount of side quests that I get. <laughs> um, because that's just, a, uh, the world of video games that I normally play in. Um, but usually it's just like, if the story doesn't catch me, then it's okay. I've played this. I've had fun with this gameplay, but there's not enough here to hold me, you know, or, or sometimes it's very much, uh, one of those situations where I struggle through shitty gameplay because the story has me intrigued and I need to see this through to the end. But, um, I would say the, the main point is have I done enough after the credits to just be like, all right, I'm done with this. So to answer my own question, I think, if my character looks the way I want my character to look, if my base looks <laughs> the way I want it to look, and if I've rolled credits, which I usually won't do until I've done those other two things, mm -hmm. then rolling credits is kind of like having the... Uh, maybe maybe this is the wrong terminology, but it's, it's like having the dessert after the main course. Mm. You know, you're you're satisfied, you've gotten your little bit extra, and you're ready to just, like, pay the check and leave the restaurant. And that's actually why I'm taking my time with the main story of uh, Final Fantasy XIV, because I'm enjoying just doing stuff in that game, like leveling up my characters. Um, I've got a little apartment that I'm, like, putting furniture in. And I feel like... If I roll credits on that final expansion, then I'm suddenly not going to want to go back and do those other things. I'm going to feel satisfied and ready to cancel my sub and move on. So, you know, for me, 
I feel like once, you know, I have this awesome character with a great house and whatever stats I need them to have, then I'm ready to say, you know what? Great experience. Let's find something else. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I've had that more, that moment with Ark more than a few times. Uh, last time I played Ark, it was like my character had decent armor and I built my, um, my base near this like cliff cove, right? And in Ark, there are these things that drop down from the sky that are like these pods that glow really bright light. And one kept dropping across this cove. So I sat there and watched Nate stream SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated for four hours, five hours. It was a long time that Nate streamed that night. And in that, that whole time, I was figuring out and constructing a bridge across this thing, right? Because I didn't have the quote, uh, br- oh, no, I'm sorry. I installed the bridge mod, which allowed you to semi try to make a bridge. Um, oh no, excuse me. I did this before I found the bridge mod. So I, I went down to the floor down at the very bottom of the cavern or the, uh, whatever the fuck word I just used cove. And I built platforms that you would put down for flooring across the water, underwater and across, and then would build walls until, and then I would put ceiling walls, ceiling. And I did that like three wide. And just, I had to do it like up and up and up and up and up. And I kept having to build ladders so I could climb up further on the inside. And finally, finally got up to the very top and uh, was able to make it wholly across. Got that whole bridge finished. Everything's fine. It looks beautiful. It's massive. And I uninstalled it. (laughs) I was happy with it. You know what I mean? It was like, I have done what I wanted to do. I built a massive bridge and I need a break from this. So I totally get that where it's like you get you get something built and done and you're like, ah, okay, now I can stop. Which kind of brings <laughs> me back to my earlier point of our games really making completionist runs impossible because it could it, it's going to take me hours and hours and hours to get satisfaction out of the games that I'm playing nowadays. Yeah. Not many not many quick jolts anymore. Correct. Yeah. Which actually that's something to say about Ori. Like it was, it was a nice, quick breath of fresh air. It was a ten-hour game, true. In a world where like a hundred hours is not enough. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I re- I like really long games, so I have no, I have no dog in this fight. But uh oh, yeah. I don't know. It depends on the game because like there's been times where I just get a game that honestly. I spent an hour and a half playing the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog and that made my entire night one night. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I can, I like a long game, but God, I want some short games too, man. They're important. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so what's the next question, my good sir? Yeah, next one we have comes in from Madokin Queen. Random and not sponsored, but if any of you have tasted any G Fuel flavors, I'm interested in opinions. I have not. I've heard good things about the Sonic's peach ring flavors. Yeah, I have. I don't. I don't. I'm not even sure what G Fuel is. Gamer Fuel. It's like a cafe. Yeah, it's like a caffeinated. Like you mix it up like a protein powder type thing, but it's like a caffeinated, dehydrated drink. Oh, okay. Um, 
and I would ask Mikolov, but I think we might have lost I think him. So. So. so we'll continue on, and hopefully he can rejoin us. If not, have fun editing, Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> Our next one comes in from Kana, which is what is the last TV show you the last TV you watched? The last TV show you watched is getting a crossover with the last video game you played. What is the unholy abomination that has just been created? So, my video game that I last played was Super Mario Brothers 3D World. The TV show I watched while eating dinner tonight was Family Feud. So, so in my head, this abomination that's been created is we have Mario, Peach, Luigi, and Toad on one side of the Family Feud, while Steve Harvey and the other side is Bowser... Um, Kamek Koopa. <laughs> Just a couple other of the Koopalings, and I don't know. I just think it's funny. I would watch that episode of Family Feud. The uh, the last TV show that I watched that was like a legitimate TV show um, was an anime called Darling in the Franks. And uh, the last game that I played would have been Days Gone, so it would have been a, uh, a zombie apocalypse anime. <laughs> but instead... Before we went live, I logged into WWE to change Baron Corbin's outfit. <laughs> so, uh, we're getting a wrestling anime, gentlemen. <laughs> Darling in the X. <laughs> the X being the WCW X crossover WECWE ZDBB. The last TV show I watched was The Sandman, adaptation of the Neil Gaiman show. And uh, the last video game I played is unsurprisingly <laughs> Doom 2. So, um, it's going to be yeah. spooky. Hell yeah. All right. This next question is also from Kana. And there's a picture that goes along with it in um, the stamp the questions if you want to see it. And basically what it boils down to is what is the game that's changed your life? Um, I might come off with an asshole or a douchebag from saying this answer. I feel like don't feel like I've ever played a video game that has changed my life in any significant way. I think I like video games for that reason. Because I can just sit there and enjoy them. And I don't know, like, I have trouble with the whole concept of media changing my life. I can't really think of anything that impactful to me. I don't know. Maybe it's just my interpretation of it. I wouldn't say life-changing, but I will say that Persona 5 definitely um, brought me back into the world of JRPGs that I had left for a long time. Where, like, for the longest time, when I wanted a JRPG fix, I would just go back and play Final Fantasy VIII for the thousandth time instead of trying to check some new things out. So when I finally dove into Persona 5, it really um, opened that world back up to me to go and explore. And I've played a lot of good games since then, like Dragon Quest Eleven, you know, uh, fucking Trails in the Sky. Like, all these banger games that I never would have played had I not. So, that'll be my answer for that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, at one point I said that I've only ever rated a book five stars if it on Goodreads if it changed my life. And there are, like, three books that I've rated five stars. And two of them I only would have found out of because of a video game I played when I was younger. So, I would say that the video game Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy... Hey, because okay. it definitely eternally changed my sense of humor because it introduced me to Douglas Adams's humor and a lot of other really cool uh, humorists from that. You know what, though? Looking at that image that Kana has sent, 
I think I do have an answer that I can kind of roll with on that one, and it is one that we've played for for the show, honestly, because that image, just watching the credits roll, just seeing the way this game ended and everything, feeling that way makes me feel for Yakuza Zero. Just like that oh, feeling, yeah, of like for sure. that's what just happened here. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, that game gave me a lot I, more faith in video games. Again, it totally turned my opinion around on Sega as a company. So. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just saying, I want to mention it on the show so it gets willed into existence. Now that Sega owns Angry Birds and Yakuza 8, let's get Angry Birds on Ichiban and or Kiryu's phone. Hell yeah. Oh. Or even if you want to do Ichiban gets Angry Birds, Kiryu gets the Angry Pig game <laughs> or whatever the hell they have now. <laughs> if you want to mix it up. but All right. And our final question for this week comes in from Fenris. If you could have any one item from any video game, what would it be and why? Fenris's would be the regalia or ring of Lucis from Final Fantasy XV. And let's not talk about slots. <laughs> um, dude, the regalia is really cool. Because the regalia is like you'd be driving it around and yeah, oh, you need to fly, you just fly. Like it'd be pretty sweet. Although that that takes that's later in the game that you get that's so a possible minor spoiler for Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I answered this on Yavspot as well, and I think I have to give the same answer because they're just so cool. And it, technically, it's from a game uh, because it's been implemented in some D and D related video games. But dude, a bag of holding. Yeah. Ah, nice. Like, I want a bag of holding so bad. Like, let me just stuff a whole bunch of shit into this thing that's an infinite void, and then I just reach in it, think about what I want, and I grab it and pull it out. Yes, please. I'm going to cheat because mine isn't one item. It's seven items. Give me the Chaos Emeralds. (laughs) The Dragon Balls? (laughs) I'm taking over the world. No, I'm not the hero. I am the robotic. Uh, (laughs) Dr. Nathan Robotic. Uh, I want the Ice Brand from Final Fantasy IV because that's what my screen name is based on. Oh yeah, hang it up on the wall. Be it's just a sword. It's cold. It's a cold it hurts sword. people. Yeah, it's a sword of cold. I feel like I. <clears throat> it'd be nice to hang that on the wall because then you could like just like walk over to it with a drink <laughs> and just like yeah, put, freeze, put the tip of the sword in the drink just the tip. <laughs> and it'd fucking cool it off. Yeah, just the tip. You don't want to go in there too far. <laughs> nice. Oh boy, that was the last question. All right, good stuff. All right, that means Willie, what is your host pick for the next two weeks my good sir how do you feel about doing something multiplayer doesn't bother me i feel like we've done a lot of multiplayer games recently um i want to play terraria oh all right not what me i was either. honestly that's cool yeah i'm cool with terraria um man cool. i'm gonna have to clear some room clear some room for that game <laughs> huge file <laughs> right huge there file. Uh, All those stolen FF1 sprites <laughs> gotta go somewhere. <laughs> All right, well, Terraria then. It works for me. It works for me. All right, well, then I guess that just leaves some house cleaning. <clears throat> so, if you would like to come and join us on the Discord, it is bit.ly slash TSMP Discord, all capital letters. If you want to check out the website, which is now up to speed, thanks to one Dane himself, Mr. Puzzles, bit.ly slash the Steam Machine Discord. Oops, wrong. No, I'm sorry. 
bit.ly slash this theme machine podcast. Excuse me. And if you would like to support the show, which would mean a shitload, it really helps me out a lot. Uh, actually helps me pay for my insurance. So that's super sweet. Patreon.com slash the steam machine podcast. And if you donate $10 or more, you can get your name read out like these wonderful people. Nate Sir Cogsworth, the seventh of Juniper, Jeff, the original expendable Mr. Syllables, old Jeffy Loop himself, Arisa Adam, shout out to his podcast, Revival and Extinction, James, the Steam Machine, Hall Monitor Hall, and Team Retrogue. Go check him out on YouTube. And while he did drop tears, I'm still going to in, in, uh, include him because he keeps our websites up to date and he's the man, and that is one Mr. Puzzles Dane himself. You guys all rock. Thanks. Thank you very, very much for your support and all that you do. We appreciate it very very much and if you would go check out our merch store it is tsmpproductions.threadless.com get you a shirt with our logo on it that would be pretty sweet and then uh, send us a picture with you showing it off that would be cool uh, if you if you like the music from the show now the nightmare.bandcamp.com is where you can check out all of my electronic music and if you would please leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcasts iTunes and Spotify though specifically boys that about does it man so back here in two weeks for some terrarian. Yeah. We're going to be doing some yeah. terrarian in the terraria. Maybe we'll even build a terrarium. Yay. That's enough of my stupidity. As always, y'all. I'm so sleepy. I'm going to bed. Y'all for take me care. and the Destructive Bros. Take it easy.